Hello, friends, for the last time in 2020. This is Soccer Chat, your weekly coaching podcast. We've got some great friends that help us out every single week, like our friends over at Dutik Brand. Check out dutikbrand.com for the greatest coaching accessories that you're going to ever need. They also just released the new boot bag, which is incredible. Dutik Brand FC members just got their coaches' gifts right before the holidays, featuring some great coach self-evaluation note cards, as well as a fantastic sticker that I've already put on my suitcase. Make sure to go over to dutikbrand.com for all your coaching accessory needs and use the promo code SOCCERCHAT to get yourself a sweet discount when you check out over at dutikbrand.com. Shouts to our friend over at Torx, T-O-R-R-X.com, for the world's greatest ball pump. You're going to love it. If you haven't tried it already, look, 2020 is done and over with. Well, depending on when you're listening to this. But get yourself 2021 ready to go by getting the Torx ball pump. You're going to love it. Check it out. Everyone's getting them. It's going to help you so much getting ready for sessions and games. I introduced it to a bunch of referees this fall, and they loved it. Go check it out, Torx, T-O-R-R-X.com. You can get involved in Soccer Chat every single Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Twitter, where you just got to follow the hashtag Soccer Chat. It's a Q1A1 where we put out questions, and all you got to do is type in A for the answer with the number, and then with your answer in the tweet with using the hashtag soccer chat. It's a great community. It's more than just a Twitter chat. It's more than just a podcast. It's a great opportunity to network with other coaches from all around the world at various levels. We've got high school coaches, youth coaches, club coaches, college coaches, as well as pro coaches that get involved every single Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can help out the show by supporting it, by sharing out the links every single Thursday as these shows come out for you. Let your friends know that you're listening to it. Let us know that you're listening to it and what you're liking about it. You can help us out that way because this is a listener-supported show supported by people just like you. We've got a special episode this week, enough of, of myself talking. We've got two of the presenters from the upcoming United Soccer Coaches Convention. Make sure if you haven't registered, go on right now, unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org, and register today for the digital convention. Yes, it's not in Anaheim, but we're still going to make it through because you know what? That's what we do through 2020. We're going to get through everything. Go on and sign up. We've got two presenters with us today who are incredible. We have Willie McNabb on with us today, who we have every year right before convention. Willie's one of the most popular presenters at convention every single year. You're going to find out why. Also, he and I go off on a little pro wrestling rant, but stay for that. You'll love it. As well as making her soccer chat debut, one of our friends from last year's convention that we got to uh, work with on the social for coaches of female athletes, the ever-famous Big D, Donna Fischer. We're so lucky to have Donna on with us and chat. And uh, you know what? Enough of me talking. Let's go into our chat with Donna Fischer right now on Soccer Chat. Convention time, and you know, for me, it's always 
there's so many anniversaries of convention as I always remember certain things that happened there. And uh, since soccer chat's really kind of taken off, soccer chat has really allowed me to almost feel like I know certain people at convention. And I've always seen our guest. I've always heard her or I've seen her on, on videos on online, um, but I had never actually met her until uh, we were filming uh, people on the street with Becky Burley last year in Baltimore. And Becky Burley just hollers out from the hallway outside where I think you were just finishing presenting. She just hollers out big D's in here. Let's go in there. And I'm like, what? And so we walk in and we, I, we didn't really have like a, um, like a rotation of like who was going to ask the questions. Like we just kind of gave the microphone that right. was never plugged in anything. People still don't realize that. Um, <laughs> and I believe Becky was just like, here you go. You ask her. And I'm like, I don't know, Big D. And Becky was just like, oh, you'll be fine. I was like, oh, okay. So, and we walked up to you, you just got done presenting. And the first thing we asked was, Becky's writing a book called You Can't Make This Shit Up. Uh, you know, what would you add to the chapter? And like a champ and a pro, you just went straight into it. And <laughs> I like, I remember when we walked away, uh, kind of being like, wow, like I probably should have like really introduced myself um you know because yeah. because you i mean everyone in, in soccer coaching talks about you and i just really felt bad i was like i didn't make any type of connection there and as we walked out um as i'm thinking this becky's like oh by the way that that's that's donna fisher yeah that, that's big d and i was like yeah. oh thanks like <laughs> could have used that introduction before we just randomly asked her this question um but you know with us today is donna fisher uh affectionately known as big d Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, and yes. I, I, I absolutely love it. I, you know, I do believe in all the episodes of soccer chat that we've done, you are probably the, like, we always kind of joke about like, if we interview somebody who has their own Wikipedia page, but I think you're <laughs> the only person who we've interviewed whose website is their name.com. Like we've had others who it's like oh, really? some type of message.com or, you know, like some, like, you know, their company.com, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the first one in almost four years now your name is your website and <laughs> kudos, to you. kudos to you. Thank you. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. So at a, a recent convention, well, recent, maybe two, two years ago, um, you know, I was, uh, I connected with, with some random person on some, some line, you know, waiting, mm-hmm. <laughs> waiting for a drink, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. It tends to happen. Yeah, at convention. Uh, and uh, he, he looks at my badge, you know, and he goes, oh, Donna Fisher. And he cracks up laughing and he goes, Donna Fisher, affiliated by Donna Fisher Consulting. He's <laughs> like, wow, wow, like you, your name is your company. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> never has there been, never will there be again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That and I mean, like we always joke on here about people being ballers, and I think that's got to be like the tipping point that like your name is your company, and you are affiliated with your company. That's your name because it's your name. Um, I can think of so many like random, uh, awkward comedy things to go on about playing a, off of the name and whatnot. But um, you know, I, I think the, the the cool thing with convention too um, is it does allow 
all of us, you know, to be able to have that access to you or to others who are presenting or, you know, others who we may see, you know, with the power of social media, who, you know, Nick and I see every Wednesday night on our Twitter chat, you know, it gives us that opportunity that we can go and and interact with these people. Um, You know, but uh, for you, that's the part that I love to be honest. Yes. Yes. As I think my wife even says like, you only go to convention to talk to people, which is kind of true. Like, I mean, yeah, it's not that I don't. When, that's when like the real, like it gets real. Yeah. You know? Like I can remember my first one I went to uh, was in Baltimore, I think in like 2008. Yeah. And um, I was like, gung ho i'm going to sessions you know <laughs> and i was going to him and uh the head coach i was working for at the time he was like yeah go to those sessions go to him and you know i'm like doing everything and then i realized like i really enjoyed connecting with people while i was there yeah. and then that's when somebody came gave me the secret of like look like you come here to network and you know yeah. if you happen to check out a session you check out a session but like networking that like this is where you get that done uh, and since our show has been a part of uh, convention in the last couple of years, I find myself just doing more connection stuff uh, than, than I do going to, uh, to, to sessions. But people need to go to the sessions too. Yes. I'm, and we're not saying not to go to the sessions, but the session is also where you can meet those people to connect with. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and it's um, <clears throat> talk to the people that you're sitting next to, right? Like yeah. being a human being. I always, I still, I still think it's hilarious where, you know, you, you go in and people leave space between the seats, right? They don't sit right next to somebody, right? And then before my session, I'm always having to get up and say, hey, can you, if there's an empty seat next to you, can you squeeze into the middle? I'm like, you're, you're not going to want to leave. I know, I know what the secret is. You're yeah. going to get on the end of the aisle or where there's some space so you can get out if you don't like what I'm saying, right? But, yeah. Yeah, but just... Um, <clears throat> the people that you meet and then you, you know, you go grab a drink or dinner or lunch, you know, after the session and, and you talk more. Um, and, and now even as a presenter, I mean, gosh, I remember one year, uh, I had four or five people that were asking me questions afterwards. And I said, I had somewhere to get. And I said, well, do you want to just meet you just want to meet later, you know, like after mm-hmm. dinner and just, you know, buy me a drink. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> I will give you my services for a beer. So, uh, yeah. So, but it was, it was a chance for me to, for them to be more specific per se mm-hmm. in the questions that they had and for me to really add value and, and offer some solutions maybe. Yeah. You know? And, and this is such a crazy segue. Um, I remember in two, gosh, it was either Kansas city or any, I want to say it was, it was Kansas city or Baltimore. So it was either my first one in 2008 or the next time I went, that was in Kansas city a few years after that. Um, I happened to be in line in the exhibit hall um, mm. more than likely to get a drink. Um, mm. No, 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 no. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I was, how am I going to try to pass off that? I was in line for those amazing Otis Spunkmeyer cookies that they make every year. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm fairly sorry. I was in line for drinks and I just happened to see that the guy in front of me turned around and had on an Anderson university jacket. This is a true story, true story. And I was like, Hey, that's in Indiana. 
I'm from Indiana. And the guy was like, yeah. Um, and unfortunately it wasn't, uh, my, my friend Scott. Um, I, and I could not tell you, um, who, what, you know, what his name was, but, um, we just started chatting. And yeah. the reason why I bring up Anderson university is because that's where you attended school. Yes. Uh, so kind of give everybody a little bit of a background on you. Well, um, snapshot on me is I grew up, uh, outside of D- Washington, DC. Uh, so grew up a city girl and then, uh, ended up going to Anderson university, uh, as a dual athlete, both softball and soccer, and then graduated and they needed an assistant coach right away. And I was uh, still going to be living in Indiana. So started, that was my first coaching gig really. And just fell in love with, with coaching. That was when I started attending conventions Mm -hmm. way back then. So probably gosh, 94, 94, 95 was when I started attending conventions and then ended up, uh, ended up here in Orlando, Florida, uh, by way of playing in the W league. Uh, there was an expansion team here for one year only in 1998. And, uh, that got me to Florida. Um, and then long story short, I randomly met Amanda Cromwell on uh, a soccer field training. We were both training and she had just been hired as the head coach at University of Central Florida. And so she had her first fall in 99. And then uh, she knew I was a goalkeeper and a goalkeeper coach and realized that they needed to fill that slot. And so February of 2000, was when I started coaching, uh, coaching at UCF. And, and from there, you know, I mean, I was there 13, 14 years. Um, and so my, my, my position really evolved uh, into what my strengths are, which is, you know, the secrets of being a great head coach, really, you know, um, I always loved that about Amanda is she, she would, you know, see what, what her assistants, what, you know, we're passionate about what we're great at and get us in those strength zones and then just basically leave us alone. Like, okay, this mm-hmm. is your lane. Like, like, you know, take off with it. And so obviously goalkeeping was, was one of my lanes, uh, as travel coordinator, uh, which was another big hat. And then, uh, kind of how I got into the, the leadership, uh, mental side of the game intangible side of the game, I call it is, I've always been passionate about leadership and even just from a a corporate business, uh, organizational, you know, standpoint Mm -hmm. and we'll always be reading and and studying it in our first season. And I, I I tell this story uh, in my, in my presentation uh, briefly, but our, our first fall when I uh, was there in 2000, we weren't as successful as we should have been, uh, you know, previous. And um, I just felt, I just felt there was a lack of leadership. Not that we didn't have great people in those roles with strong personalities, but there was a lack of, 
well-roundedness or mm -hmm. their their roles could be expanded and it's like they didn't even know like the other things that they could be doing as a leader to try to get more out of their team and so Amanda just gave me the reins and I dove deep into leadership training for our captains uh we went full throttle in uh, building a solid culture. Um, and then that expands into relationship building, uh, mental side of the game. Um, you know, uh, us as coaches building relationships. Um, so, so helping, you know, helping each other as colleagues. And, and then in 2011, John Maxwell, who is a leadership guru, world renowned, you know, I don't know, 30, 40 plus uh, books, best selling books, he was starting a, a coaching team. <clears throat> and so in 2011, I was one of the founding partners to, to join his coaching team. So we went through a, a series of, you know, curriculum and, and things like that. So, um, I kind of have that that uh, seal on my resume now too, uh, which was fantastic. I I love his I love all of his uh, his teachings. So yeah, I mean that's so in 2013, <clears throat> you know Amanda got the job at UCLA. Wanted to keep uh, our staff together, and I had I had thought previous within a year or two uh, of that happening, I had, had already thought about, huh, you know, I see the results that we got at UCF from focusing on, you know, this intangible side of the game. <clears throat> I can do that for anybody. Yeah. You know, not just one team. And so I thought, you know, this is probably one of the toughest decisions I ever had to make in my life was to turn down being the assistant coach at UCLA. Uh, and that's when I started my own business. Mm -hmm. And DonnaFisher.com yeah. was born. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the great, great thing is, is my undergrad is graphic design, so I can do my own logo hey. and all that stuff. But yeah, it's been... Sean, it's been unbelievable. It's been an unbelievable ride. And I, I had a lot of people that, uh, I know we're going to get in a convention talk, but I had a lot of people that, close friends that were nervous for me, right? It's like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, I took a 100% pay cut, you know? Mm -hmm. Basically by choice. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I said, look, I said, there is no plan B. There's no plan B because... I know, I know what I'm great at. And that, I mean, this, this is what it's going to work. Yeah. Right. It's going to, it's going to work. And I know there's a need out there, right? It's you, you see the needs, you find the needs and uh, you find what you're great at and where those two intersect, right. That's where you want to sit. That's where you want to be. And so that's where I position myself. And so I've, I've worked with, you know, coaches, teams, athletes all over the country, you know, before COVID, BC, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was traveling all the time, uh, but now most of my work is virtual um, as, you know, as well as convention. Yeah. 
so we just, you know, we just have to work through it. We just have to work through this, uh, this, this newness um, with, with virtual Zooms and all that sort of jazz. But I mean, I think, you know, I think we're all, we're all, we're all doing it. We're all doing the best. That we're, we we're proving that we can work from home. Is yeah. what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. What's been, um, you know, you, you mentioned recognizing that you could lend your talents to more than one team, yeah. and you know, we've had other people on the show and in, in various um, other business ventures of their own where they were kind of same thing of like, hey, I keep I'm doing this for my own team. I think others could benefit from this. Yeah, and you know how. You mentioned, you know, being confident going into it. How also scary was it to bet on yourself? <laughs> well, it's funny you say it that way because I have a quote that sort of I live by and that I have given to so many of my players is the quote, you have to bet on you before anybody else is going to. Yeah. And sure, sure, it was scary, but that is the definition of courage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, the, the, the truest definition of courage is not, not the absence of fear. Like fear has to exist for you to be able to be courageous because cur- courage is doing it afraid. Yeah. Like I feel like I, I, so we just watched soul this weekend, uh-huh, the uh-huh. new movie on uh, Disney plus. I feel like that was like verbatim one of the lines in yeah. the, uh, in the movie. I'm not gonna. I, so I was one who was not a fan of the movie. It you know it's whatever. Um, but I, I, as you were talking about that, I was like, I just heard this recently. I just heard this, and I, they they say something very similar along the lines of, "You can't have courage without having fear." Yeah, and so, I mean, that's exactly what I think athletes. Uh, we need help athletes with too is there's uh you know oh gosh i I don't want to step on a soapbox (laughs) but welcome to soccer chat where we have lots of soapboxes so there's such a lack of courage and the reasons i mean it's a plethora of reasons and it's, um, I just think we have to, we have to help athletes with that, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, that's something that I would not just their mind. It's not just their mind. It's their heart also. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's, it's body, heart, mind. And that's, and that's something I brought on our show a lot. Like with this team that I'm with now is like, there's so much on that mental side. There's so much fear. Like there's an actual, you know, a quote was told to me, like, we're afraid of being good. Um, it's yeah. so like a lot of what you're talking about, like is hitting home with me and I'm thinking like, okay, like how can I train, how can I take this and move this into, to our program? Because we can play, we just, it's, there's this fear that, you know, there, there's that we've got, a um, we've got, we've got to kind of bounce from and, and people can learn more about that through convention coming up here, um, uh, in the next couple of weeks, um, you can go on United Soccer Coaches Convention.org and, and register where you'll be able to um, have access and be able to go see uh, Big D present. And so what's kind of what's what's your presentation and kind of give us the uh, the the Sparks Notes version, you know, and this is this is a chance to to talk them into the into the building. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, which you, I mean, you already do that anyways, because like everybody always <laughs> talks about your presentation. So like the others who have not thought about going to a big D session, now you get to talk them into the room. Well, this session, you know, years pass, um, years past I've done, I've done things um, revolving around uh, coaches specifically, you know, uh, like self-awareness and um, kind of them and as a person and as as a coach as their job but th this year this year i decided <clears throat> to go with a leader you know a, a leadership talk just my, my bread and butter sort of talk but the angle that i'm coming at uh andrew with the convention they they wanted me to combine like bring a, bring a little bit of content and then also have a panel that I could kind of bounce, uh, bounce some things off of a panel. And so having leader, having leaders on your team that truly lead is, is so important. And so it's, it's an answer to this. This is the question that, this is the question that I, that I hear that I get a lot or the comment rather is, you know, so let's put it into con let's put it in convincing convention context. So right, normally we're walking down the halls and it's like, oh yeah, hey, how you doing? Haven't you know? Haven't seen you. You know, you only see this person at convention normally. And uh, the first question is, you know, how are you? Okay. Second question is, how was your season? Mm -hmm. Right. And then if it's not a good season, do you know how many times that coach probably says, yeah, we didn't have any leadership. Yeah. Okay, coach. Well, uh, well, then I'm looking at the problem because you're not doing anything about it. Like you can't just you can't just use it as an excuse, you know. And so, the more Sean, the more intentional we are with helping our leaders lead in the moment, the more we're going to get out of them. So, my title is solving the leadership void. Right, whether it's a large void, uh, expansive, or whether it's maybe just in a certain area, right? Maybe you need more voices, or maybe you need um, more uh, accountability, or more, you know, lead by action. You know, wherever the void is, you know, how can we, how can we fill that? And so I talk. I, I uh, brought in uh, Josh Walters. Uh, Michelle Leonard and Matt Kosinuk. Uh, they're all three good friends of mine, uh, people that I've worked with, people that I, I, people that I know, I know their coaching philosophy. I know um, they're, they're bought in obviously to, uh, to this, this philosophy, this side of things. And so, uh, yeah, it's, I give some tips and tricks. Uh, it's kind of the first first things that I teach captains, and then some tips uh, tips and tricks for coaches of how to how to help them in the moment. Because my uh, my my yeah, this is like a soapbox. It could be a soapbox too. This is this is what can I say? What really bothers me? Yes, and so, and I don't know if this will tie into it. I made a comment 
to my team a lot this year when we were trying to figure out our captains. So like I'm new to the group and whatnot. And, you know, I know that there's a culture issue. I know there's a leadership issue and something that I stress, and I don't know if this, because I feel like part of what you were saying kind of goes into this. And I, I mentioned this to some other coaching friends of mine and I go, oh my gosh, we never thought about that because I told our team straight up, just because somebody's the most popular and they're the person that everybody will listen to doesn't mean that they're the best leader for the team. No. And that was kind of something that was kind of a trial by fire with us was I was happy that we elected multiple captains. Like we, we had three and it really allowed me to go, okay, okay, here's, here's the one or here's the two who are right there doing what we need to be doing or are, you know, living up that standard while we've got, you know, one or two who are just the people that everybody will listen to. They not, they're not necessarily leading with their actions. Yeah. I think, well, that's the same thing with, you know, there, there's some coaches or, or players, I would say that think the captain always has to be the most talented player. On yeah. the team. Well, it's, the, it's just, it's the best player they get the armband. Well, just because they're the most talented player on the team doesn't mean they have followers. Right. doesn't mean they have influence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your leaders have to be bought into the culture, bought into helping create the culture. Like that's what leaders do is create the culture. And so there's, there's so many things that, yeah, you have to think about. And I mean, I love the fact that you have three you know, and I don't, I mean, in my career and with, with different teams that I work with, you know, we, we have different numbers, right? The, the number, the, the number depends on the, the context, the, the situation, I would say. But I will say this is what you have to consider is the number of players that you have on your roster. And if you truly believe in relationship building and connection, and to me, that's, that's leadership. Like in order to get, to get somebody to follow you, you have to connect with them. And, and that takes time and it, yeah. it takes energy. Right. And so for one captain to be able to, you know, touch per se 30 players on a roster you know, it's not, it's not possible. So for that reason, I think you need multiple, you need multiple leaders. And again, multiple leaders, because they, the way that they lead is different, right? Mm-hmm. Some are, you know, the big ones are summer by example, you know, some are the more verbal, which I call them the mouths. Um, and so on and so forth, you know. So I think three, I think three is a good number. Um, yeah, but the ro- the roster size. Oh, so my soapbox, sorry, I was getting- No, no, hey, get on that soapbox, let's go. Yeah, so the challenge, the challenge I have is a lot of times coaches, we, we say, okay, we're going to do leadership training, right? And you have like classroom, right? You have a classroom session or you send your captains to something that, you know, on the college level, you know, the life skills department, you know, is doing or something like that. And so it's, it's a classroom, right? And they, they learn these great concepts, right? 
great leadership concepts, but then the missing piece, Sean, for me, the missing piece is how, how are those concepts translating to real time on the field, in the moment, right? That's, that's where the gap is. I, I truly believe that the, the best training is, is in real time. And so having a coach uh, be able to, you know, walk up next to a leader and kind of say, Hey, Hey, remember what we talked about? Like now might be a good time. Like, do you see this happening? Do you, do you hear that? Do you see so-and-so right? And it's sort of, it's more of a mentorship almost or coaching, you know, coaching mentorship, uh, mentoring the leaders in real time, in the moment. I think that's the missing piece. We, we can't expect, we can't expect just some classroom session to them just to show up and, you know, we, we look for them to, to do those things and then they don't and we call them out on it in the next classroom session, yeah. right? <laughs> right. It's like, fine having the classroom sessions. I believe it, you know, I, mean, um, I do that. I do that. But there has to be connection points onto the field. How, I, I, I thought about this too, because I, you know, our season was not fantastic and there are a lot, a lot of issues that we're trying to figure out as time goes on, if I could pick your brain yeah, and you, and I'm everybody who knows, like I'm a big relationship builder guy, like that, like how you were talking about that, that is my number one thing. Like people are not going to do what's needed or what's asked unless they've got that, that relationship with you somehow, some way. Right. And, you know, our campus was very limited on interactions. Like mm-hmm. we couldn't have, the whole team together in a classroom. Right. Um, you know, you can only have one person in your office along with you. Um, how much maybe from other coaches who have reached out to you, how much has this pandemic really kind of affected that leadership and that ability to, to build those relationships with, with players? I, I think it's definitely impacted it. I, I think. Cause I think- you can only do so much in a zoom. Like when you're like, especially right. like someone like me working with a new team, there's only so much you can do through Zoom. Right. And you, you gotta be, you gotta think outside the box and be creative. Yeah. You know, um, you know use the breakout room option, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the leaders on teams that I've talked to their, their biggest challenge has been you know, we just feel disconnected from our teammates. We, yeah. or, or it's, we haven't been able to build a strong a relationship with the new freshmen coming in as years pass, right? And so really the, the conversations have revolved around that. Okay, in the midst of, you know, what we're having to deal with and restrictions and things like that, how can you how can you build those relationships, right? Like you, this is the time when, I mean, Sean, it's like, this is for, this is for us as coaches, this comment and for athletes, it's, well, what, just because it's hard, we're just going to throw our hands up and say, oh, well, COVID. Yeah. Oh, well, Zoom, you know, we, we couldn't, we couldn't do it as well. I mean, just, I mean, that's not, that's not, that's not how coaches are wired, right? That's mm-hmm. not how athletes are wired. No, we're, 
we're wired to when something gets hard, when it gets harder, we're going to buckle down and we're going to figure it out. Yeah. And so I think, I think we I buckled down and lost 25 pounds out of it. So yeah, buddy. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I've been working out hard too since March. I wish I could say I was working out. I was, I was just trying to figure out what, what could, uh, I think it was more from the stress of trying to figure out what we can do to, to continue to get better. Yeah. It was just like the weight was like, but you know, to, to go back to just being creative on zoom calls, it's, you can still create an experience, you know, and, um, you know, I did things, I did things like, um, okay, bring, you know, when they were at home, you know, in their rooms. Okay. Especially girls. I know you have a stuffed animal in that room. Go get, go get your stuffed animal. Right. And everybody brings, you know, and they talk about it, right. It might be something from their childhood or maybe, you know, the one they bring on the plane every when, when, when we're flying again, but you know, it's just, you, you kind of get to know people. Now the key is, you know, have, have coaches taught their teams how to actually interact and converse, right? See my teams, what I talk about is, okay, if you get in a breakout room and you know, you're sharing you know, your stuffed animal, let's say the other people that are listening, no, your job now is to give them something back, right? It's okay. You got to ask a question. You got to be curious. You got to dig deeper, right? You got to offer them some head nods, offer them some emotion, right? I mean, just, so it's, yeah, it's doing, you know, it's doing something fun to connect, but then are it's train it's training still it's yeah they're they're you're giving them an opportunity to practice something that that we've taught um and so that's you know a little glimpse of sort of how i've tried to you know do some things you, you got to be a great question asker in, in yeah. my opinion to be a coach which is which is why it's always like good to have Nick because he asks the good questions. I ask the dumb questions. Um, and before we get out here, so I'm, I'm going to ask my dumb question because I feel like you have a very very good answer for this. I always okay. ask coaches if you could describe your coaching person philosophy, coaching philosophy or personality with a song. What song would it be? With what song? song de- what song defines you as a coach? <laughs> All I do is win, win. win. Oh. <laughs> I love it. No, no. Um, gosh, my coaching philosophy as a, I mean, the thing, two things come to mind. Can I, can I give two answers? Yeah, of course. Okay. Well, one, one is my ringtone since 2013, uh, when I started my business is, um, oh gosh. Oh, the, um, why can I, why can I not think of it? It's, uh, the, 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 I, that's, or the roar, sorry. Yeah. Roar, Katy Perry. Yeah. Roar. Okay. So I think maybe, maybe some, maybe like that, but then I also think of, I'm a huge Rocky fan. I grew up on those movies. And so. 
like the the burning heart song uh-huh right with just the you know i i go back to think you know the relationship between apollo and rocky three when apollo was training rocky and that that relationship you know and apollo would get in his face and and you know and be like come on what are you doing you yeah. know but but you knew that relationship was there and that i mean that was the foundation of everything right and so yeah that those would be my answers. <laughs> Those are, so I think I think somebody's picked Roar before, but nobody's picked Burning Heart. So that that I'm thankful that we were able to get one that nobody's used. Okay, before. good, 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 good. <laughs> so uh, like we said, you know, conventions coming up uh, the week of the 11th, uh, and Big D will be presenting. Uh, you know, when's your presentation, and 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 when for those who are registering, when can they catch you? Yeah, it's the first day, opening day. Oh well, wow. what an opening day session to go to. I know, opening day. Uh, it's, uh, 1220 Eastern. So 11, 1120 central. And then, uh, myself and all of my panel, uh, all three of them are going to be, uh, we're available for Q and a. So afterwards, and I think that's, I think that's, that's going to be huge. I mean, bring, bring tons of questions. I mean, you've got you know, Josh Walters, who's a 10 year army veteran has coached multiple different, different places, Utah state, Florida state, uh, Houston, UCF, and then, um, you know, UCLA won the national championship there in 2013. Um, you know, the, the, the players on that team were, you know, the Sarah Killian, Sam Ewis, Abby Dahlkemper, and now he's the head at, at JMU. So he, he's got a, a ton of different stories. And then Michelle Leonard is uh, Dallas Baptist head coach, division two, but top, top 15 consistently uh, in the nation. Like has w- winning conference championship is like a no brainer. I mean, that, that's what they do at DBU and um, and then Matt Kosinuk has coached on the men and the women's side. He, uh, he was at Cincinnati as an assistant for, for a long time, five, six years, I guess. That That's a long be. time in coaches terms. Well, it's not be not compared, you know, long as I guess, um, you can define it different ways, but, uh, won a conference championship there in 2015 and now is the head coach at Eastern Kentucky. And so he's rebuilding, He's rebuilding that team and that culture. And so he's going to have, you know, different perspectives. So all three of them have, have, have a plethora of knowledge and experiences. And so I sort of pummel them with some questions uh, in between, you know, throwing some content, uh, some content out. So it's going to be good. Uh, I'm excited. I I love people throwing me questions that are, you know, unrelated outside the box. So uh, maybe I'm, I'm bringing a plethora. I'm telling you that okay. right now. <laughs> I've got a list of everything from our fall this season and I'm, I'm <laughs> good. you and your panel better be ready. Uh, let's do it. <laughs> You're going to think to yourself, like the, the, when I, when you decide to start your own business, my team was the reason you decided to get into business. <laughs> All right. All right. 
how can uh, how can people get in contact with you on Twitter? You know, whether if, if they're able to to check the uh, the session out or or you know if they're not going to convention, you know, they just want to reach out to you. Uh, how can they do so? We already mentioned numerous times you have your own website with your own name. Uh, yes. You know, how can other than DonnaFisher.com, uh, how can people get in contact with you? Yeah, uh, Twitter. You can DM me. My handle is you know at Donna Fisher. Uh, same for Instagram at Donna Fisher. Um, and then uh, my email, it's info at DonnaFisher.com. So any of those ways, um, I'd love to, I'd love to talk with people. I like, I, I, I want to add value and I want to solve, help solve issues, offer, offer ideas. And, um, you know, that, that would be my encouragement to everybody is like, listen and watch as many sessions at convention as you can and do not hold back from going, you know, straight, straight away at, at a presenter and asking those questions that you, that you have. Don't, don't hesitate. We're myself, we're, we're always willing. That's why we, that's why we present is because we want to help people. And so take it, take advantage of, of the opportunity. Nick just got on from the beach. So this is a good time for us to wrap up the wrap up the show. Just to let him say hi. So no, actually I really apologize. So me and Kelly were on a bike ride and we got about seven miles away and both her tires flatted. So I had to ride back here, get the car, grab the car and go find her on this Island. Thank God we've been there a few times, but it took me probably about, an extra 45 minutes to do all that to what we were initially planning. What so, a like, story. What a story. That's like the dog ate my homework. He took, he put a lot of thought into that one. I swear. I can show you the flat tires. It's in our trunk right now. <laughs> it's like, I can literally, I'll send you guys a picture afterwards, but I swear there is a, a bike in our trunk right now with two flat tires. And when you miss, you're going to have to watch my session. Uh, you're going to, this is your, your penance. You have to, you have to watch my session. And I've been, I've been watching. I've been following you for like on Twitter for at least a little bit. So I'll, I, I, I think that I, I think I at least like I made up a little bit for it at least with that. But no, I will one hundred percent watch your session too. <laughs> awesome. Well, Donna, thank you so much for coming on with us, and uh, we can't wait to see you opening day twelve twenty. Uh, PM for Eastern time, 1120 for those of us on central time opening day of convention. You cannot get any bigger or better than with Donna Fisher. Donna, thank you so much for coming on with us. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Nick. And don't be afraid of the dark at the end of a stone there's a golden sky and the sweet silver sound of love walk on through the
similar to when we have Jeff uh, Van Dusen on. It, it gets you excited for convention because we always have Jeff come on around convention time to talk about convention. And another one of our convention staples of, of something that we have on every year that uh, you know I had mentioned when we had Jeff on is it gets me excited. I know that when we talk to these people on Soccer Chat, that tells me that conventions get ready to happen, and it gets me excited. And we have with us today the big homie Willie McNabb from Celtic FC here with us. And Willie, you know, in these, you know, we were just kind of talking before we were recording in uh, these times, you know, what's kind of been coaching life been like for you um, over there uh, amidst all this, this COVID? Yeah. It's, I mean, first of all, Sean, Nick, thanks for, for having me back on. It's a, it's a pleasure to come and chat to you guys again. Um, it's, it's Nick's favorite show every year. No, but he's, he's some man. He's some man. It's good. It's good to see you guys again. Um, and, and it's been it's been unique for us back in Scotland as well, Sean. It's um, I suppose that everyone in, in a sense is, is kind of dealing with this across the globe. Um, we obviously our kids kind of we shut down around about March time, um, and we probably got back onto the field the third week in August. So it was, a, it was a huge amount of time, certainly here back in the UK, where we had that initial sort of three-month complete lockdown. Um, and it was almost, how do, how do we deal with this? How do we still engage with the, the kids, the other coaches, the, the parents as well? Um, we, we kind of saw it coming, um, as you could see, creeping across Europe and, and reaching the UK. And so I had a little bit of an idea of, of what we could put in place and, it was almost, I always remember it, we were due to play a team called Kilmarnock on the, the Saturday and it was Friday evening and we, we received a call from, from the, the kind of operations manager at the club to say, listen, everything's kind of been called off this weekend just as a precaution, back to training on or back to practice on Monday. Um, and then on the Sunday, we got our, obviously the, the, the Prime Ministers on the TV basically saying everything's kind of locked down. It was quite surreal at the same time to to see this happening, it was like um, something you see in the movies and all of a sudden everything stopped. And then for us, I think it's really taught us how communication is so important and how you can do it away from the field. Um, I sometimes have a communication pro- pro- problem at times when I come to the US because no one understands a word I'm saying because of my accent. So <laughs> um, for me, it was, a, it was another way of how do we get around this that we physically can't work with the players. So it was a case of let's get an at-home programme in place where we can send um, kind of sessions to the kids where they can literally either do that in their, their living rooms or their front rooms or on the front of the back the backyard. Um, because at that point in time, you're basically allowed to leave your house to, to go for a short walk. So so difficult. And then the power of Zoom, um, this magical thing called Zoom, um, suddenly burst onto the scene, which no doubt has been around for for a long while, but um, it, it was a godsend for us, really. Um, and actually, it's, it's really allowed us to, to look at how we communicate with our younger players and, and how this sort of technology is going to have a big part to play in how we go forward um, in terms of match analysis. And we, we, we played around with the, the kind of breakout rooms within it. So we would have maybe a, a squad of 16, but we'd bring four coaches onto the call and break off into to four rooms of four. And we basically do like a kind of virtual session where I'm sitting where I am just now and you guys in your backyard, you position your camera and we try to do some kind of coaching sessions. And the one thing that the kids really missed was just getting to, to be with their teammates, that kind of locker room mentality. And 
it was something that we had to be really cognizant of. But at the same time, we needed to get the parents involved, what they were doing as well. Um, a lot of the parents maybe were still working or a new word that we found out here in the UK is furlough. Um, people being on furlough and yeah, not working but being at home. So how can the parents get involved? So it was trying to find that that kind of little balance of it. And then we, we managed to get a little bit of a momentum going. Um, we played one game and then the whole country, well, certainly Scotland, our, our area of Scotland and Glasgow, was shut down for a further three weeks. Um, and I'm not too sure if you guys are familiar, but it's like tier systems we have here in the UK yeah. and in Scotland. And it, rather than a nationwide, it was saying, OK, if there's high levels of COVID in certain areas. But, but we're based in Glasgow, but a lot of our players maybe come from other areas of, of Glasgow. So some players couldn't make practice, some could. So it was very, very difficult. Um, and then eventually we were back up and running. We, we played three more games and then the kind of shutdown happened again just before December. So um, we've basically told the kids and the families over the festive period, go, enjoy, eat lots of turkey and mashed potato, enjoy <laughs> yourself, just be a kid. And hopefully, the, finger, the fingers are crossed where, I think it was 11th of January, we were supposed to be coming back. I think that's now been pushed back by a week or two. So... Um, you're hoping end of January, maybe maybe beginning of February to get back to it. So um, I think in this time, it's just about keeping people's spirits up at the moment. And yeah. kids, I don't think the kids grasp the full enormity of what's happening in the world right now. They just want to play with their friends and play soccer and, and have a good time. But as us as adults have to manage that expectation and, and, and safety comes first um, for, for these kids as well. So... Unique time here, Sean, um, is, is no doubt everyone um, is experiencing. I still have some good friends in the US who were telling me what their state association had in place in terms <laughs> yeah. of restrictions. And I, I must admit, I was flabbergasted by it because it was still very early on in the sort of lockdown and kids were back playing and training and, and all these things. And I suppose for me, it was quite good because I could then take that back to my club and say, well, here's what people are doing in other parts of the world. Um mm-hmm. And what they're currently doing, I was I was speaking to my friend who I think he's based in Indianapolis, I think it is. Hey. He says he's he's due to be back uh, training very early in January, but indoors. But it's the very opposite here in Scotland. We are told no training indoors; it must be outdoors. Yeah. So it's 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 interesting to see all the different things that happen in the world right now. For sure, for sure, and it's you know especially like with convention, it's a crazy time with convention being digital this year, um, which people can go on. If you haven't registered yet, go on to United soccer coaches, convention.org and go register now. Um, you know, lots of great presentations. One of the big, um, uh, big things that I know a lot of our friends at soccer chat, uh, look forward to every year at convention is Willie's presentation. Nick always makes sure to highlight it. And always tells me like, you cannot schedule a show during Willie's presentation because I'm going to it. Um, Nick, I owe you 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so you know what is it about yeah you know, and maybe this is hard to say from your own like self-reflecting area but like what do you think it is about your sessions that does draw attention uh to make people like nick as I, I can remember chicago was nick's first one and instead of like he's like i'm going to william McNabb's session like i've heard a lot about these so like what do you think it could be about your sessions that does draw uh the attention of people wanting to to attend yours yeah it's it's a good question sean I have asked myself this question. I remember going to my very first convention, I think I've said this before, in 2014 in Philadelphia. Um, I was just going to, to meet some partner clubs, 
kind of going to see what it was all about. And I was really kind of taken aback by the sheer enormity of what was going on. And But the one thing that really struck me was the, the different types of people who were there. Um, you, you would have people who were in the recreational game, grassroots game. You'd have people at the very highest professional collegiate game and, and, and everything in between. Obviously, men and women's soccer as well. And I thought, if I ever get the chance to come here and, and present, I'll make sure I can try and... That this is from a classroom perspective. I suppose on the field as well, that will hopefully be something for everyone that they can take out of it. Um, so I think I had to really know the audience and, and who was out there. Um, and, and again, you look at other presenters, I always mention Dick Bate. Dick Bate for me was hands down the, the best coach educator going, phenomenal presenter. And I kind of looked at someone like him and I, and I said, why did people come and watch him? And, and for me it was the way that he session were, they were really uh, simplistic but it was the information that he then layered onto that and he was really engaging with the crowd I think for me especially when you're on the field you have to um, connect with your audience if you go and just coach the players I think the coaches lose a little bit of what you're trying to do and likewise if you constantly speak to the coaches they don't get to see what you actually do on the field so I think it's about trying to strike that balance and and when it comes on to the, the classroom sessions, um, I've always tried to do a, a, a presentation that might engage people. So I think in Chicago, Nick, it maybe was numerical superiority that I was speaking yep. about. And it sounds really fancy. It's just basically about getting one more opponent or one more player than the opposition. Um, and then being able to break that down and say, listen, um, here's how we do it at Celtic or here's how I do it as a coach. Um, this isn't the way to do it. Um, so I'm not coming up here and saying everyone must copy exactly what I'm doing. It's about taking bits from that, adding it to your coaching repertoire as well. And I'll tell you something, I always get um, apprehensive maybe a little bit about how many people will actually turn up. Um, I remember going to Chicago and I'm a real stickler for preparation. I'm terrible with it, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I drive my wife insane with stuff. I'm like, Mr. Logistics, I plan everything out. And when I got to Chicago, I always make sure I arrive a couple of days before the convention. I get in, I usually arrive maybe 6 p.m. at night. First thing I do is walk over to the convention centre and find the field that I'm going to be on. Walk the field, see what the, the, the turf is like. Because one time it was almost like a, a carpet. Mm. The next year it was a, a decent level turf. Get a feel for the size of it, pace it out, make sure it's okay then go to the classroom. And I remember going to the Chicago classroom and actually I had to find someone and say, is this room such and such? I thought it was a mistake because the, the room held over a thousand people. And I'm like, I'm lucky 50 will turn up to listen to what I've got to say. And um, I was quite apprehensive of it. And, and you always have a look at the schedule to see, okay, who am I up against at the same time? You all, that's the first thing you do. It's like getting your new fixture list at the start of the season, you look for your mm -hmm. biggest opponent. And I'm maybe looking, you've got guys like Dick Bay at the time or Dan Ab Abrahams, those types of guys who are uh, uh, Bill Strudwick. People are going to, to go and watch these people. And sometimes you go, oh, I'm on at the same time as that guy. No one's going to turn up. Um, and then all of a sudden, when people start to come into the room, it gives you a little bit of confidence that the kind of people want to be there and listen to what you want to say. So, I mean, I, I usually put... Um, you usually get informed maybe July, August time that if you're being asked back as a presenter. Um, 
and straight away I'm, I'm, I'm on the ball with what I need to do and, and be really well prepared. I was actually speaking to my wife there. Um, I think it was the convention in 2018. It was in Philadelphia. Um, I wasn't meant to be presenting that year, uh, but I got a, an email from the United Soccer Coaches on Boxing Day on the 26th of December asking if I could do a field session for them. Um, they had a space and it was like, absolutely. Um, I actually had one prepared just in case. That's how, that's how crazy I am. And then when I arrived, mm-hmm. um, I made sure I had a demo team. So I went to Yardley in Pennsylvania um, and I went and worked with the team. And when I was working with the team, I actually started to lose my voice a little bit. So I was basically at, um, down at Walmart and Walgreens and those these types of places trying to get all these menthol sprays and I was high as a kite for a couple of days just trying to get this this sore throat away. So I think for me it's just about trying to be prepared and I think knowing your audience at, at the same time as well um, and being able to pitch it at a level that hopefully they can take something away from it and, and trying not to be, just be, I don't want to be a different person in the classroom or on the field. I want to be the same person. This is what I like as a person. This is what I'm like as a coach. And hopefully that kind of comes over to people. And the biggest compliment you can get paid is when people stay behind and ask you questions um, or they meet you walking down the street and they say, coach, like your session, blah, blah, blah. I think those types of things are, are, um, are really worthwhile. I love speaking to people. I really do. I mean, you could be there for a good hour after your session, but that's the whole point in it is to sit there and, and talk to people as well. So, um, hopefully, again, you would maybe need to ask some people why why they come to it. Maybe it's new people come. They, they maybe want to see what a European club's doing. Or if you've been to the convention um, a few years in a row, you maybe have your certain presenters that you'd like to go and see of what they're doing. So, And I wanted to try and do something different every year. So I keep going back to Chicago, sorry. But in Chicago, Nick, for example, I worked with uh, a small group of players. I think I worked with six players on defending whereas last year was on receiving and releasing. And then the year before that was something completely different. Um, so I've tried to do something um, completely different, but relevant to, and, and not necessarily relevant to Celtic at that point in time. Um, I could I could go and present about Celtic's academy every year. I think I did that year one, but then year two and three and so on, it was about taking parts of the game and saying, here's something that, yeah, we do at Celtic, but could be relevant to your club college or association really i was really expecting yeah, that I your think. answer was going to be uh your fantastic voice and handsomely devilish good looks you can cut all that out and just put that in Sean. there we go That's there perfect. we go <laughs> no i think a lot of it was especially the chicago one i remember like your session i mean that room was packed i like i remember i was like literally almost sitting on the floor in the front and um i think a lot of it for me for that particular session was also the visual representations, like you had, you did a really good job. I don't know if you're using tactical pad or whatever you're using, um, but you had good visual representations followed by video. So for anyone that's a, like, and Sean always talks about, he's a visual guy. Like he, he likes podcasts, but like he wants to see things. It's, it's easier for him when he's thinking about tactics and things like that to see visuals. And I think for a lot of people. That was that such was, a nice way to say that I'm not that intelligent. <laughs> what that says that? I swear. You said you normally don't like podcasts because like for tactics, because you like to. Yeah. Like, I, 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 if I'm going to learn something, I have to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think a big part of that was that was that it was, you talked, but then you showed it with like 
tactical pad or whatever you used. And then you had a video of your team implementing what you were talking about. And so I think it was a very easy progression. Like you talked about speaking to a, a wide array of audience, I think. And the other thing that I remember you said at RA today, but you said this multiple times in that talk was, I'm not saying this is the only way or the right way, but this is our way. And I think that that speaks to a lot of people because then they don't feel like they're being preached to. They don't feel like you're telling like, Hey, this is the only way to create numerical spirit. This is like when you were talking about your box high box low, like you were, you weren't saying this is the only way to do it. You're just saying this is our terms. This is our way that we talk about it. And if someone could take that and be like, Oh, maybe that's the type of verbiage that would help my players, boys or girls to understand what we're trying to do in different situations. Because I, I think for a lot of us, it's just trying, as coaches, it's trying to find the verbiage that's going to speak to our players the best when we're trying to convey our ideas. And so I think that for years, I think it was nice because you just gave a, I'd never heard that terminology before. And I think it's something that a lot of coaches could probably take away and be like, okay, that's an easier representation of what I'm trying to say as yeah. opposed to maybe something else. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. And there's something that you said about the, the, the kind of videos and the, the visual representation. Someone else actually said the same thing that I think it's easy for me to, to go up there and preach about what we do at Celtic, for example. Um, but then being able to show it in practice. And I think I did that one of the first years and it seemed to work really well. And, it, and it's probably, I think if you go to each of my presentations, it has a, a similar feel to it, Nick. It, you could probably like showing, okay, here's what we want to speak about today. Here's how we strip it down and, and really look at the brass tacks of it, build it back up, show an example of how it happens in the game, show an example of a session of how you can do that. But most importantly, here's the, the kind of academy kids itself doing that. And something that I've done for this year um, is very, very similar. N- not as easy to maybe show when you're kind of recording the session over Zoom, for, for example. The videos don't don't show very well, as in the clarity of them. Um, so we're able to to explain it in that way. And I think then you're bang on. Coaches have then emailed me after it and they've said, um, that makes sense now. So I think sometimes when you look at the convention schedule, I remember the first couple of years, say, okay, what, what title would, do you want to your presentation to be on or your field session? And a lot of the, the session titles were like really big words and long session titles. I'm saying to myself, do I need to do something like that? Or can it be something that's really simple? Whereas I thought numerical superiority might sort of capture the interest of people. But be able to say, this is, we use this terminology back at Celtic. But it's important that your players understand what it means. So great that you're speaking about the box high, the box low and the diamond. Um, again, just our terminology of using that and be able to say, well, it's really simple. Go into box high, player comes in high, low for the box low, and then how you flip for the diamond. And um, and, and I think it goes the same for the, the field sessions. Are The field sessions are, are more difficult because I think in the classroom, um, you're in control. You know exactly what's coming next. So as soon as I press that little clicker, I know the exact next slide that's coming along. But when you're on the field, you have no idea what's happening. Um, sometimes you step on and you don't know the, in the nicest possible way the standard of the player that you're working with. Um, so in years gone, gone by, the thing that I've learned is I've asked the convention to hook me up with the, the coaches of the team who, I, who would be the demo players. 
I send the coach the session and then I actually visit the players um, kind of prior to that as well. So maybe the, the night before the session, I can actually visit the club and I go out and, and, and run through the session with them. I've done that for the last three or four years now. You can't do it all the time. Um, so luckily, I think last year, the guys who I had, the coach was um, Scottish. So when I met them, they were used to the funny accent and stuff like that. I always kind of self-deprecate and always kind of like making fun of myself. And probably if you look at every session, Nick, I say the exact same opening line and it's a terrible joke. Say, so, okay, I'll try and speak slowly, but um, when you watch the video back, it'll have subtitles so you'll know what I'm saying. So it's the same every year. Like one of the young kids in Chicago, um, he he had no idea. He had screensaver mode written all over his face for the full one hour. So I I just had to leave him. <laughs> I was I was like having to speak to one of the other kids who was a translator for me. Um, but for example, I actually got a, a really nice email from one of those kids' parents um, who then actually said that I had inspired their kid at that event um, and asked for some advice and stuff. And for me, that was that was well worth the the, the admission fees they say alone. So. Um, so yeah, I think it's good to get that sort of feedback, Nick. I think that's important as, as being a presenter. That um, and, and I actually said to the guys at the United Soccer Coaches that I'm actually really surprised that I've been invited back so many years in a row. As I said, 2018, I wasn't meant to be there. Um, but I've always said to the guys, I'm always available at any time. It's an honour to be invited back at any time as well. So you kind of take that as a, it's a real confidence booster for you as a, as a coach as well. What um like going into this year with doing it virtually? What were some of the challenges, and what were some of the things that you you felt almost made it easier to do it like when you're getting sure? Yeah, I, I think automatically the easiest yeah. thing is you're Did doing I freeze because from... you guys both froze. Yeah, you froze a little bit, but I managed to managed to pick it up. Um, okay, I think the, I think the easiest thing, Nick, was um. Doing it from the comfort of your own home. Um, obviously, when I'm usually doing this, it's the preparation beforehand, flying across not long after Christmas, um, the time zones and all those things. So I think for me, it was it was a little bit more relaxed. Obviously, kind of there was a lot going on with COVID and, and such, but it allowed me to to kind of work from home and then literally walk down the stairs and, and present. I knew well in advance of when I was going to do the presentation and things. So I think from my point of view, it was easier from, from that sense. Um, really weird when, obviously, the guy who's filming the session, quite similar to this, someone's filming the session. Uh, Andrew from the soccer convention, uh, the soccer coaches was there. And then literally they two disappeared off the screen and I'm just presenting. So I think you like, even when you do Zoom meetings, when people are on it, um, it's always good just to even get a little bit of interaction. So I think from that point of view, it was a case of saying, okay, um, I can try and get my point across. But usually, you know what it's like, Nick, you're in these big classrooms and if, if someone hears something, they'll want to know a little bit more about it. So I think that's maybe the only different thing that, yeah, I'm hoping that someone will, or the people will take something from the presentation. But maybe if there was some people on it just to probe you with little questions, they would have found and got a little bit more out of it. Don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm always very open. I give my email in case anybody watches it. They would like to email me and ask me any more questions. But So that, that was the, 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 the surreal thing about it, that you didn't have 
people in front of you. Um, and when you're talking through it, you're, you're actually looking at yourself on the screen. So a little bit off-putting at, at, at times, but we've all done a million of these Zoom calls during lockdown now. So it's something that we've, we've gotten a little bit used to. So, so I think the, the easiest thing was certainly the preparation of it and doing everything from the comfort of your own home. I think that has other drawbacks because you're not there actually networking with people. Um, I think the hardest thing was just the connection with the audience because there wasn't any there at that moment in time. Um, and I think it's the right way that the, the, the convention are doing it. I actually did one for um, a, a, a sort of organisation in Denmark in the Latvian Football Federation in the last couple of weeks. And obviously they speak completely different languages as well. And that was great because you get the, the interaction with it. Um, but also from the United Soccer Coach's point of view, they'll be able to add real production value to what they're doing. So they'll be able to have it looking absolute top notch. Um, it's just a shame you don't get that interaction. But the stuff that the United Soccer Coach have put together, considering, is is excellent. It really is first class. That's awesome. Like, wait, is there any sessions that you've seen of other people's that you're really interested to, like, check out? Yeah, I, I think for me, I always say Dan Abrahams is excellent um, every year. I've got to know Dan over the years, actually, because of the convention and grabbing a bite to eat with him and just picking his brains. And he's a he's a very mild-mannered guy, just a really a humble person, but with a wealth of knowledge. He's the only guy that I know who can put the word banana vomit on a screen um, and speak about 20 minutes about banana vomit, and everyone's like, what the hell does that mean? And the way that he comes across, the way that he explains it, love watching him. I think obviously this year, the the, the big one, and I think after speaking to the guys at the USC, that they can attract some really big names to the convention, obviously apart from me, guys. Yes, for sure. Um, you, you can, like a, someone like Jose Mourinho, for example, um, I just I just love Mourinho. As, as a young He's opening up, up for you, right? Yeah, he's a warm-up act. So yeah, that's what I thought. He comes on, tells a couple of jokes and stuff, and then I, the, the real stuff comes on. So, But what a coup to be able to get someone like that, who you probably would never get um, if, it, if you had to travel over. Obviously, you have the, the head of the, the Bayern Munich's academy who, who's going to be speaking as well. So it's always interesting to see what, what some of the other top European ones are doing as well. So I think there's one or two on that list who... I think for me, again, the convention favourites for me, I would always go to like Dan and, and Tony. Um, Bill Beswick was always a, another good one as well that I love to see and go to. But I think for me, I think looking at someone like Jose Mourinho, um, although it's a one-to-one, -one, um, and I don't know if there'll be a function or be able to ask him questions, but uh, be able to just sit and listen to what that guy's got to say would just be worth it alone for me. For sure. It's, it seems like, um, you know, you, you talked about like the preparation for you when it comes to convention. And I, th I feel like we kind of hit on this maybe last year, the year before, but you know, for you, the similarities between that preparation for your speaking engagement at convention, as well as preparing for a game or a training session, you know, is almost very ideal. You know, what is it that from your session this year without like giving it away to everybody, um, you know, what, what is, uh, this is, your, this is your chance to be, um, Drew McIntyre, WWE <laughs> heavyweight champion. I remembered that from last year. Um, you know, you get to talk him into the arena now. 
you know, and, and obviously we mentioned that your, um, your sessions are normally highly attended, but for this session specifically, um, cause we've always kind of mentioned, uh, you know, with Jeff recently about, you know, maybe they're expecting a lot of first timers to come to this convention yeah. because of being able to do it from home. Um, so, you know, this is your chance to talk someone into your session, brother. It's the promo. I'm going to be mean gene, you know, and now you're just to, about to say, I'm yeah. going to promo the life out of this. Yes. This is, yes. A, this is like a Hulk Hogan talk. This yep. comes off at the end as well. Sean, <laughs> for sure. Um, for sure. You know, so yeah, I think for me, the title of what I'm doing is, is one V one to dominate and destroy. And for me, regardless of what context or domain of the game that you're working in, so whether it's recreation, travel, elite level, collegiate, professional, 4v4, 7v7, 9v9, 11v11, this is prevalent throughout all of those different contexts and domains and formats. Something that I'm quite big on here within the the, the Children's Academy at Celtic, obviously my role changed um, literally weeks after I spoke to you guys the the last time and um, what I'm doing now and and, and I really studied 1v1s. I was actually going to do 1v1 and 2v1, but there was so much content that I had for 1v1 um, that we're able to do it in the, the style that Nick said, that we're able to say, here's some of the things that we do at the Children's Academy, why this is important, some sort of empirical data backing up why 1v1s are key and important, and then just breaking that down. Um, without giving too much away, there's three things that I look at is the moment of the game that you're in, so offensive, defensive, the situation, obviously being 1v1, but where is the opponent? Are they in front, side, back, back to goal, etc.? Um, and the area of the pitch that you're in from an offensive and defensive point of view. So taking those three key factors, breaking them down, putting them into a match context, stripping that back out into how you can build a session based on that, and then showing some clips of our U11 and U12 Academy kids. So a very similar, I think the, the formula works for me. I feel that the formula works for me and how I lay the session out. So it's something very similar. And, and I'll be honest, I, I was speaking for about an hour on this and I could easily have spoke. Um, I actually spoke for two hours to the Latvian Football Federation uh, last week about this. Um, and again, it just really engaged people um, because... As I said, 1v1s happen all the time, but not just in an offensive point of view. It was how you can defend against these situations and why we feel these situations, moments and areas of the pitch are important, how it fits into our sort of game model of working with younger players, but also how it could be important for youth players, adult collegiate players, etc. So hopefully there's something for everybody within there. Um, I would have done a session based on this as well um, in Chicago. I keep going back to Chicago, but I did it differently. I did a numerical superiority session in the classroom. Um, no chance would I have been able to do that on the field. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have worked properly, whereas this would have um, been able to take a 1v1 um, and break that down and then basically build it back up again. So um, that's the whole idea of... Um, the, the kind of present the presentation for that as well. So hopefully again, some people if they come along to it, they can pick a little bit of kind of a morsel out of that that they can take back to working with with their players as well. And basically, Sean, that's the bottom line because Willie McNabb said so. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, I you know I I do have to we're typical soccer chat. I'm going to break away from actual soccer talk. Um, you know we talked about. Um, 
uh, you know, last year about, you know, your, your connection and love of wrestling. Um, I, the, one of the coolest things I saw before COVID was when Drew McIntyre won the Royal rumble and how all these bars in Scotland were showing it. And who, I mean, who knows what time of day night it yeah. was there. Cause that was at like nine o'clock hour time in the States. And seeing the bars and the people's reactions to him winning was similar to like when teams win the world cup, like, yeah. where, so like, where were you when drew McIntyre won the Royal rumble? <laughs> I was sleeping because he's a Rangers fan. That's why I wasn't watching. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so no, actually um, it, it's funny. He, he used to work, do a lot of indie work here mm-hmm. in Scotland. Um, ICW. Yes. Championship wrestling. Um, there was a, a documentary that, that was done on ICW here in Scotland a few years back. Um, and kind of obviously how Drew McIntyre had started there. And then he made his big sort of push into WWE years and years ago um, when Vince McMahon was really pushing him and how he kind of left, done a bit of work elsewhere, appeared in ICW for a little while. And then you know, he's always been an absolute specimen, but he looks absolute rock hard just now. He's ridiculous, the physique. And then um, kind of watching that, because it's interesting, a lot of the guys who are involved in ICW are actually from sort of my area that I live in, a place called Coat Bridge. Um, mm-hmm. ICW, that there's a, the sort of little guy, um, the little boy, I think he's Craig Toll, maybe his name is. He's a little guy with the glasses. Um, he lives, you see him walking about the street, he's like, Patter's brilliant. And then you've got likes of guys, I don't know if you know Grado. Oh, I know Grado. Well. Grado at Chassel. So again, Grado is another Rangers fan. So him and Drew McIntyre yeah. can just so I'm I'm um, hoping Drew McIntyre loses shortly, but not I think even just for <laughs> for um to see a Scotsman on TV, although he needs to work on that accent a little bit. Um <laughs> so because you go, you're never from Scotland. Um so yeah, but it's brilliant to see any sort of Scottish sportsmen or women out there, you see likes of Andy Murray in tennis mm-hmm. um, when, they're, when they're kind of flying the flag. And um, the one thing that really annoys me is when people say wrestling's fake. It's not fake when you get dropped in your head. So On um, two by fours. It, it, exactly. It's a brilliant entertainment vehicle. And it was sad to hear about Luke Harper the other yeah. day. I, I, really, I really couldn't believe that. I must admit, I've not watched as much recently because, as you know, I'm a huge Undertaker fan. So... When I kind of watched his documentary, um, and then obviously he was riding off into the sunset, it kind of I felt like a little bit of my childhood. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. At the same time as well, and it's funny when you look at the characters of back in the sort of nineties, where you had Macho Man, British Bulldog, Hulk Hogan, all these almost like cartoon characters come to life. Um, I feel like that is obviously evolved over the years. You maybe see more edgier characters when you went through the attitude area about Stone Cold and The Rock and all these guys. But now when I look at them, um, I think when I was younger, I was just mystified by this big guy with a yellow T-shirt and the, the moustache and the ultimate warrior with the tassels coming out mm-hmm. and Macho Man with the big hat and stuff. And I think that's what it really drew, drew me into to kind of wrestling at that point in time as well. And when you, when you get a little bit older, um, I think the internet plays a part in it where... Um, obviously they, they, about the whole kayfabe about not breaking character and stuff like that that's because of social media you can get so much access to, to famous people now yeah. that it's very hard for them to keep up that character apart from a guy like Undertaker I actually remember coming back from the US one time I think it was in New York 
and all the wrestlers were, were in the, the airport. Um, so I, I think I saw Fit Finlay, um, maybe Bobby Lashley, a few other guys. Um, I turned into a little child again and I actually um, was too scared to go up and ask for a picture. <laughs> because I thought they're sitting having something to eat I don't want to bother these guys um, actually I've still got my signature with John Cena up the oh, stairs at the big John Cena thing he signed one of the signs for me when I was um, I was going to say when I was younger I was probably still in my 20s at the time. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah so when you see someone like Drew McIntyre although as I said he's a Rangers fan and hopefully he gets beat shortly well as I say Seamus is the big Celtic fan and they're, they're yeah. buddies so well, actually, I think that's going to be a feud here soon so Seamus, Seamus and Rusev at the time, yeah. they actually had come to Celtic Park, well, Celtic's training ground when they were they were taping, I don't know if it was Raw Smackdown, maybe Smackdown in Glasgow. Um, they'd come to Celtic's training ground and, and Seamus had the Celtic top on and Rusev was wearing the Rangers one and it was like the rivalry and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the two of them are really good guys, actually. Um, obviously, yeah. these huge monsters. Have you seen... So there was a video. So like they do the shows in Saudi Arabia every year. And um, I've seen video from the last two shows. Uh, Cesaro, who's a big soccer guy, who's from Switzerland. Uh, Then obviously uh, Rusev uh, from Bulgaria is a big soccer guy. McIntyre, Sheamus. um, We'll find somebody there. We'll bring a soccer ball for him. And they play uh, keepy uppy before the shows uh, because they – have nothing to do while they're there. So they just stay outside the stadium Ah, and uh, they, um, the video got out because I believe it was last year. um, They were just doing some juggling as a group and Randy Orton hopped in with them and like was showing off his skills Uh, and to tie into the whole, you know, Brody Lulu Carper thing. uh, Sami Zayn mentioned that uh, if they, when they didn't have the soccer ball, um, like they did the Saudi Arabia shows that um, Sami Zayn and, and Luke Harper and Rusev and, and some of them would always have a hacky sack that they would use to juggle yeah, instead. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it's, re- it's, it's for me, like that's the thing I've loved about how many of these wrestlers are soccer people. So here's one for you. So everybody, anybody, because I know that we do have wrestling fans who, who listen to this. There's an independent guy in Canada whose name is Alessandro Del Bruno, okay. um, who his, his gimmicks, he's a soccer guy. And his ring attire is full kits with his name and number on the back. So he'll wear a Juventus kit. He'll wear, um, I, I've, I've seen like an Inter Milan kit. Um, so he gets these kits and I don't know if teams, you know, if he buys them or, or teams send them him, but I think we need to figure out a way to get him a Celtic kit and yes. get him to wear it uh, on, on one of these shows that he's, he's going to be on. I said, we, we can do that. No problem. Absolutely. It, do you know what? I remember, um, when Kieran Tierney was still at Celtic, he'd given a, a jersey to Conor McGregor. I know it's UFC, but mm-hmm. there's actually some pictures in a video of Conor McGregor training in his Celtic kit yeah. as well. And obviously, Conor McGregor actually, well, he said he was a Celtic fan. He came to Glasgow and, and did a whole show in Glasgow and he was singing Celtic songs and stuff like that. <laughs> he was winding everybody up. So, absolutely, we can we can get that guy a Celtic top. And, I'm, I, and I'm a massive ICW fan. So yeah. I'm going to figure out a way when this all gets said and done, I'm going to figure out a way to get over to, to Scotland yeah. and I want to go to the hydro to watch a show. Yeah. Like I like, I like, I'm so fascinated by all that culture as Nick yeah, is just they, like, yeah, wrestling, was, whatever. Was it the guy who was at um, Lionheart? The, the Lionheart that died. Yeah. Passed away. Yeah. It was, 
the documentary had aired here in, in Scotland and it was literally like months later mm-hmm. kind of got the news that he'd passed away. Um, but there's a documentary, ICW documentary. You may get it on YouTube. It's it's fascinating. They, they have like a, a four or five uh, people who are trying to become wrestlers. Was that the one where Grado got famous from? Yeah, yeah. So was, yeah, yeah, so I've seen that. I've seen that. Yeah, I think there was there was another one after that where Grado was like one of the top guys in the industry, mm-hmm. um, and he's helping along with the uh, Lionheart bring yeah. these next group of guys and girls up. It was um, we used to watch it every week. It was quite funny actually because you can relate with some of these people. You know some of the areas that they're from. Um, so that was that was funny. It was, it was very what, funny. Uh, ICW asked you to come work. You get to pick a soccer person as your tag team partner. Who's it going to be? Soccer person. It's a guy who used to play for Celtic called Bobo Baldi. Just he the name alone, I feel like that dude's going to rip somebody up. We used to say Bobo's going to get you. He was an absolute monster. You get a chance, Google him, Bobo Baldi. He played for Celtic um, well, maybe, well, 15 years ago or so, but he was a big towering centre-back who absolutely smashed people. So he would take care of everybody for me because this is the... <laughs> That's the moneymaker. So. <laughs> Nick, who's, who's, what soccer person's your tag team partner? I think I know who the answer is. Who's my tag team partner? Yeah. Any soccer well, person could be your tag team partner. Free injury Virgil van Dyke. I just feel like I feel like he's just like a colossus of a human being. Like I figured you would have said Traore. Oh, Adama Traore. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah, a good one. Yeah. He also hasn't scored a goal in the calendar year of 2020, which I didn't realize until yesterday. It doesn't matter if he can put somebody on their back. Oh, no, like his three. arms, his biceps <laughs> are the size of my head. Like literally, like I'm pretty sure they're the exact same size. So yeah, Adama Traore was probably, that's a better pick. So Willie, the first time Nick and I ever met, we had done the show for like seven months. Our first time we ever met was I got Nick tickets to uh, a wrestling show at a bar in Chicago where he got to see, where he got to see and meet Colt Cabana. Colt Cabana. Now you're talking, I'm pretty sure Colt Cabana appeared in ICW. He did. Him and uh, Grado were tag team partners. That's right. Colt Cabana, it's your cell. Colt Cabana, (laughs) it's your cell. I actually just watched, I watched that like two nights ago. I got, let's say like two nights ago, I was, uh, I was recruiting virtually. I was watching some highlight videos and uh, over on like the YouTube, what, you know, like, Hey, you should watch whatever it was. Um, uh, Grado's entrance uh, against Drew McIntyre, and I was like, I haven't seen that in a couple of years. So I just stopped with the recruiting video, went over, and I went on a deep hole for probably oh. an hour and a half. Yep. Uh, of just watching the ICW matches. Uh, Joe Hendry, I like him. I like how he makes the songs uh, yep. for each match. But yeah, I, de- I definitely went down a uh, yeah, we- a rabbit hole from there. Um, you know, coming up, uh, when when are are your sessions at, at convention for those who are who are listening? Maybe they're if they're still here with the wrestling talk. Um, you know, when can they uh, when can they catch your sessions during convention? Yeah, it's on the it's on the very first day actually. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's on just after opening act. Yeah, oh, it's Ian Barker after Ian Barker. It's myself. Um, mm-hmm. It's yourself, Willie. It's yourself, a, Willie. You see how you see the segue there, Sean. It's seamless. Seamless. Yeah, I want to do the next convention in Kansas City. They need to let Willie and I just like combine soccer and wrestling and let us talk for like 40 minutes. That's absolutely no problem. That's very easy to do. That's or let us or let us like commentate wrestling matches. <laughs> I commentate. That would be pretty good, <laughs> Um so yeah, yeah, I think it's um 
I think it's like a, a, 11 a.m. or just after 11 a.m. On, on the first day on the Monday. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not too, I'm not 100 sure how it works. Whether all the sessions of everyone is pre-recorded or whether it's only certain ones. But um, obviously, if they want to watch it live or if they get the chance to to go back. But yeah, I believe it's um, just on after Ian Barker on the opening. I believe the way Jeff explained it to us, like there are some that are pre-recorded. Because yeah. like the last 15 minutes, there will be like the question and answer section where the, the presenter will be live in the chat room uh, where people can ask questions or um, they are doing like a, some type of, of live uh, feed. But it sounded like most were pre-recorded, but then yeah. the presenters are available to uh, to speak. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If that's the case as well, then I'm, I'm going to actually kind of reconnect with the guys in a couple of days. So um, as I said, that might be the other way around it, Nick, as you said, one of the challenges of not having people there when you've actually kind of presented, but maybe having the chance to do that at the end. But I can understand that because of maybe the time zones and, and, and mm-hmm. whatnot and everyone's kind of schedule that we have just now. But um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see the whole event and, and how it looks and the feel of it. I think not having the networking opportunity that I was watching some past convention videos the other, the other evening and kind of get a little bit nostalgic you're not going yeah. to kind of bump into people and you get down podcast row and you can wave to you guys and stuff like that. And then you always meet people, new faces, um, old faces, and some very old faces when you're walking down the convention <laughs> halls and, and just getting to kind of know people. It's, it's it's brilliant to do. I think that's the one thing that people will miss this year. But I think, Nick, you, you'd said before we started recording, I think we'll get to Kansas next year or um, 2022. It's, it's going to be um, a huge surge of people wanting to come back to the event as well. And I think it's great, actually. There's a lot of people here in Scotland who have, I know who have actually bought passes to this because it is online. Now, they wouldn't have been able to afford a flight in a hotel. Yeah. Um, so that although the convention pass is reasonable, it's all the other cost around that. I think it, the United Soccer coaches could probably even have a, a little bit of a blend next year where they can offer some I believe, like I believe Jeff yeah. mentioned that of making it yeah. more accessible for those who can't attend. No, absolutely. And I think that would um, would really appeal to wider masses. I think the United Soccer Coaches have a relationship with the Scottish FA where they're offering passes to kind of coaches on their database. So there's going to be a whole new audience there um, mm-hmm. that the, the United Soccer Coaches can tap into. Um, so I think having that, that that's going to be a great link. Um, and also for myself, um, I, when I'm presenting, I'm presenting to people that are not in my country. So actually to hopefully maybe some of the people here can see it, can spark a bit of, of debate as well. So it's something that I'm, I'm looking forward to. Awesome. 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 Well, Willie, we look forward to your sessions every year. We look forward to you coming on the show. Um, and this is coming out on Thursday. So they, we've already done the uh, Brody Lee tribute show uh, on AEW. So make sure to catch that uh, tonight. Um, and you can send me a WhatsApp or whatever during it. We can be nostalgic. Um, but Willie, if somebody's wanting to get in contact with you, maybe they, uh, you know, if, if they're not able to, to ask a question uh, at your session, but they want to reach out to you, uh, how can they do so? Yeah, probably just by my email. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed that I don't use social media anymore. I literally um, was, I right before we started recording, I was like, all right, I'm going to send Willie a message real quick. And I was like, wait a minute. He, there's no Twitter. What's what's going yeah. on? Yeah, just decided um, oh, probably around about June just to come away from social media for a little bit. Just to, it, I only really used Twitter. I did have an Instagram account, but never used it. And it's probably been... Sad from a point of view that obviously I could connect with a lot of people overseas, um, but 
just not picking up your phone and going to Twitter and just refreshing and looking for things and it's been actually quite refreshing. I want to try and at least one year away from social media. Oh, wow. Um, and then it's, as I say, the first the first six months have been really refreshing. And, and for me, the people who I need to connect with, I can. Likes of you guys still be able to connect over email and, and such. Um, so yeah, it would be my email address, which is wmcnab, that's m-c-n-a-b, at celticfc.co.uk. Awesome, awesome. Well, Willie, thank you so much for coming on with us, man. And uh, the hope is that we'll uh, we'll get to we'll, we'll definitely we'll do this again next year. But uh, we'll we'll be able to get together uh, in Kansas City in 2022. Absolutely. Thanks again, guys, and stay safe.